Welcome back to the Fireside Bears podcast brought to you by Empire Sports Media. I am your host, Sam Stevenson. You can follow me on Twitter at ShySportsSam. I'm joined here, as I always am, with Joseph Herf. You can follow him on Twitter at NFL. I hope I got your Twitter handle right. No, you said the next couple weeks he is out of the country. Uh, he's at a wedding. We wish him a good time uh, and that he may have a nice little break, but still going to be getting Bears content out to you all. Uh, Joe and I are going to be holding down the fort for a little bit. I uh, got a lot of stuff to talk about this week. Uh, we're going to be reflecting on the game last Sunday with the Bears winning for the first time since Thanksgiving against the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, kind of di- diagnosing, yeah, breaking down Nagy's message of emptying the cup, quote unquote. Uh, thoughts on some of the roster decisions that were made regarding starters past Sunday. Some underrated head coaching candidates that we're going to break down a little bit. Joe will give his hot takes as always. I will give my Sam stocks and we'll end the episode with our bold predictions and score predictions for Bears Giants. Before we get into any of that, though, make sure if you're not already, go check out the podcast on social media at Fireside Bears on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Joe, what's going on, man? I haven't done a podcast introduction like I was saying in the pre-show in a long time, so I'm a little. I was going to give you. I was going to give you a little shout out. I was going to say, "Nice job for your first one." And uh, how, when was the last time you did one? Oh man, uh, when I was doing gym class villains consistently. Ooh. Uh, july no it's been a while while. that was really good that was awesome but yeah i'm good um it's kind of a slow season right now for me for work so i've been writing more it's been fun i uh had two kind of articles come out last week which is unheard of for me because i'm normally a one a month kind of guy with how much i work but um it's been nice to kind of talk about the bears um kind of finally got to get into some nfl draft stuff myself uh with a mock draft and uh you know Bears finally won. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit, but it was uh, it's been going well. It was nice to kind of wake up Monday morning knowing we uh, we won a game for once. Yeah, as as a fan, I, you know, I, we'll talk about the game a little bit. It, it felt good to see the Bears win. It, there's just that that energy that you get as a fan watching your team win that felt good. Um, for the before we get into the game, though, if you guys haven't, uh, go check out Joe's stuff on Bear Goggles. On uh, just did a mock draft article, pretty good mock, and be completely honest. I'm excited to talk draft stuff for the next couple of months, uh, especially once we get closer to April. But let's get into Bear Seahawks just a little bit. Joe, give just a, a initial reactions, thoughts. You know, not a lot for the Bears at this point. They are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. Uh, you know, the Bears have not won since Thanksgiving, where they beat the Detroit Lions 16 to 14. Uh, and at, you know, at no point in this game until the fourth quarter did it feel like the Bears were going to win, but they somehow managed to pull through, beating the Seahawks, uh, including a awesome two point conversion. Um, initial thoughts on this game, just quick breakdown. What did you think of it? Did you know, was there anything significant that you think came out of it? What are your thoughts on that? So, initially, the first thing I can say is I couldn't care any less about winning a game right now. Like, again, it's if anything, I'm not a big guy who cares a ton about draft position unless it's like knowingly very bad. If we say we won on a five game winning streak right now and still miss playoffs, then that would suck. That would have just absolutely destroyed our draft position for virtually no reason. And we don't have first round pick, so it really doesn't matter if we win or lose any games right now. But I really couldn't care. Like, again, it was nice to win. It was really cool to see Nagy, you know, kind of grow a pair, go for two, go for the win. Why not? And to see the kind of way we did it and to see the energy of the team. Like it was very nice to see overall kind of how we looked. 
Uh, it seemed like everybody was still playing to care, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I saw a lot of dudes playing their hearts out. And I think that's a testament to Sean Desai and what he's kind of teaching over there, especially with that secondary being as banged up as they are with no Jalen Johnson initially right there alone is horrible and no Tayshawn Gibson as well. Already that's down your only good corner on the entire team outside of how Thomas Graham has looked. But uh, regardless, the overall game, I was, again, extremely impressed with the defense and how they kind of responded and how they played in general. Um, and the offense, I mean, that's kind of what will – I saw somebody say on Twitter, and I thought it was perfect, they said Nick Foles is Matt Nagy's guy, and that's Matt Nagy's offense in a nutshell. That's throwing the ball five yards every time, no deep shots, no excitement whatsoever, which is fine as long as you're scoring points. points but we were kind of given these points against a very, very, very bad team. So not optimistic at all, and that kind of gives us a full preview and full kind of summary of what – we see from Nagy's offense. And I think that's kind of a bittersweet ending, I guess, because hopefully we don't see Foles play again and we'll see Fields back. So I guess that's kind of the full total thoughts. It's, it's really nice to see these young players step up, though. I know we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but it's really nice to see how those guys kind of stepped up. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I, I reflect your thoughts on, and I agree with the, the whole idea of, like, in terms of winning, this game doesn't matter as much. The Bears don't have a first round pick regardless. So even if they, you know, ended up going seven and 10 on the year, which is obviously very doable, it's not like it's going to affect their overall draft positioning because you're already looking at a bears team that as of right now, is going to be picking early in the second round, which again, you can get some great talent there. Uh, I definitely agree with the, the thoughts on some of the young guys. We obviously saw all three, six round picks of the 2021 draft class contribute uh, with Khalil Herbert splitting some carries with David Montgomery and scoring a touchdown. Uh, Thomas Graham Jr. initially splitting reps with Artie Burns, and I think he ended up playing the majority of the game. And then Daz Newsome uh, getting more involved on offense, having his first career reception, but also a special teams contributor with returning punts. Uh, Newsome was also at you know one point he had a, a shanked punt return that he ended up getting the Bears down and helping the Bears score the first points of the game. Uh, so that's obviously encouraging stuff. We saw both uh, rookie tackles play, obviously. Um, with Borum stepping in for an injured Tevin Jenkins, which we can obviously touch on a little bit. But I agree. I mean, this is Matt Nagy's identity is through Nick Foles. He is the guy that he wanted in the offseason. He's the quarterback he traded for. He's the quarterback he benched Mitch Trubisky for against Atlanta last year. And ultimately, uh, he's the guy who's been sitting on the team as the third string quarterback. Um, But with Dalton and Fields not being both able to play, uh, you know, I, I don't hate Nick Foles. It was, you know, obviously encouraging to see that he went out there and was able to lead this team to a win. By no means do I think he should still be here next year. I, I think it starts to unjustify the Dalton solving, signing a little bit, but I think you could argue into a wall with that regard. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with most of what you said. Uh, but speaking of Nagy, let's talk a little bit about Nagy's comments at the end of the game. So I think this was a different Matt Nagy at the end of this Bears win, uh, very reflective Matt Nagy, uh, someone who clearly can see the writing on the wall here. Um, you know, he has yet to be fired. The Bears have never fired a coach uh, in the middle of the season. Uh, and according to uh, reports and from Nagy, he is under the assumption that he will finish the year out as the Bears head coach. Joe, I'm going to bounce this back to you. Uh, what was that message of quote unquote emptying the cup? Uh, you know, we talked about Nagy since he's been here in 2018. W- what did you get from what he said? He's always obviously 
interesting in his post-game press conferences with some of the stuff he says, but any thoughts on kind of his comments? Yeah, we got to talk about it in the beginning. I, uh, I didn't listen to the, uh, I didn't listen to the interview myself. I don't, or the press conference. I really don't. I have not been listening to Nagy's press conferences for very good reasons, obviously for my mental health that I don't want to hear the men speak. So I obviously didn't listen to this one, but I read a lot of the replies on Twitter. I know some really good guys like Zach Pearson, um, a few other bears reporters well put out a lot of the good comments and with, with full context to not just like partial short quotes out of context. So I saw a lot of what he was saying and, it really did seem like a man who know knows his job is done and was reflective. And I'll be honest, I liked it. I think the the way he's handling the end of this season for him is going to land him a job somewhere else. Not as a head coach, probably as an offensive coordinator or to a to an offensive minded coach where he really doesn't have to play call and he can just focus on helping the offense. And I really think the way he's handling this, the way he's talking his press conferences, um, I think it's. I think it was very mature for him to kind of own up to he's, that they're not doing what he wants. And the one thing I will say, though, I really don't like that he blamed last year on COVID. Like, that's just such a weak excuse for the season. Um, every team was dealing with it. There really should be no excuse for it. Um, every, every team was having their COVID issues and their injury issues. And it happens every year. You can't predict an injury that like you can't predict someone getting COVID. And to use that as kind of a crutch as last season for what happened is kind of garbage. He kind of dug himself into the whole last year of flipping quarterbacks, um, being stupid with the offensive line, playing Rashad Coward too much. So he really dug himself into that hole himself. I think at him kind of using a, a, as usual, using a scapegoat was kind of immature in my opinion, but I thought the rest of the message was overall good. And I think honestly, the way he's handling this has been very, very good outside of, you know, blaming COVID for 2020. Yeah. And, and the one thing I will say is that I, I definitely think, you know, things like the quarterback competition last year between Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky would have been handled differently if COVID wasn't a thing. I definitely am not going to defend the thoughts on using it as an excuse for why the Bears didn't, you know, they still made the playoffs in 2020. They they got in as a seventh seed. They, you know, they, they won a couple of games towards the end of the stretch. Ultimately, I think when we think about Nagy being brought in in 2018, there was a lot of intrigue behind it. I think Nagy was certainly not a coaching candidate. A lot of people thought the Bears were going to go after. I know that obviously I think, when Ryan Pace came to the decision to bring in Nagy, I think he wanted to bring in a part of the Andy Reid coaching tree, which obviously Nagy at the time was uh, the Chiefs offensive coordinator. And, you know, ultimately, I think while 2018 was a successful year, everything had kind of declined since then. Uh, you know, again, the the thought at this point is the more fit, you know, the more he can save face here, the better. I definitely agree. I don't think Nagy's time as a coach is done. He'll find, you know, he'll find a head coach, you know, not a head coaching gig, but I think he'll, he'll find a spot, whether it's on an NFL roster or a college roster, whatever the case may be. I, I don't think we're going to not see, though. I don't think this is the end of Matt Nagy as a coach by any means. I could absolutely see him bouncing back and finding a head coaching gig somewhere again in the near future. Um, Cause ultimately in 2018, he was the coach of the year and old things have declined since. So uh, definitely think his time with the bears is coming to an end though. So it's, you know, it's almost refreshing to hear him speak like this because I just think the few times I have listened to him talk and the times I've read the stuff that's been, you know, people transcribing the press conferences and stuff. It, it just seems like it, the definition of insanity, trying the same thing over and over and expecting different results. I mean, when I listen to him talk, sometimes I want to slam my head into a wall. Yeah. I, like I, like I've said too, I, 
that's why I literally don't listen to his press conferences. I can't hear his his stupid phrases and his dumb sayings that he constantly says it literally makes me want to pull my hair out. So it was very refreshing to hear him, I guess, open up. Like I, it wasn't like, it wasn't like he just kind of talked about it a little bit and touched on his career. No, he really opened up and owned up to not following through on really what he didn't really say it word for word, but he really kind of led everyone to the assumption that he didn't complete his mission here and really hasn't done a good enough job. And like you're saying, yeah, he might get a head coaching job in the near future. I there's a lot of things that he's going to need to do in an interview to win that from now on because of this because of his tenure here, and he definitely could change for all we know. Um, head coaches change all the time and bounce back and become better coaches after taking a little hiatus, and he could definitely do that for all we know. I mean, he definitely will need to address in interviews his ability to adjust, his ability to demote things, his ability to kind of not take the burden off himself and give it to his coordinators and and his stubbornness in general. Like it, it definitely seems like he's, I could be completely wrong, but the way he kind of ran things seems like he's very egotistical and wants things his way or the highway and teams aren't going to like that. They're going to want to hear his exact plan of how he's changing that because he can't just get away with an interview of him saying like, yeah, here are the whys, uh, everything's going to be on the table all that he's going to need to give them a plan of I'm going to use this guy in this role to his best ability. I'm going to build around this quarterback and call, call my offense to what he does calling route concepts that he will suit best. And I don't know when he'll do that. So I really can't say when he'll be bouncing back as a head coach, but I do think he will find a future again as an offensive coordinator. I would in his best interest, in my opinion, it would be, smart of him to not go back to Andy Reid and learn from other offenses because he could just keep recreating the Andy Reid thing and hoping it happens. It would be very smart for him to go under a guy like, say, Josh McDaniel stays in New England this year. He, if he goes under him and learns kind of his total eye formation, p- play action, uh, short passing game offense he's running with Mac Jones, kind of integrates that to the route concepts that they're running over in Kansas City. He could create his own hybrid offense or – like a Sean McVay who is literally would resurrect his career. Sean McVay's coordinators get hired every single year. Everybody wants him. Like Raheem Morris, or I believe Raheem Morris is the defensive coordinator, right? Uh, yes, I believe so. But I yeah, he he's starting to get it, talks about a head coach, and that wouldn't be happening if he wasn't Sean McVay's coach. Like that would not happen. And every year their offensive coordinator is taken. Like the floor is from that tree, and. Um, his brother, the other, or, or the other, they're from the Shanahan tree, right? Oh, man. Uh, yes. Who am I drawing a blank on from the McVay tree? Oh, it's uh, Zach Taylor. That's right. Bengals head coach. Yes. Zach Taylor, literally a dude who's younger and only had offensive coordinating experience. Someone saw that he once poured coffee for Sean McVay and everyone went nuts. So he's became the head coach of the Bengals and it's working because he, has the has the mental aptitude of Sean McVay to adjust and build an offense around his weapons. Yes, he has a loaded offense, but he just had Joe Burrow throw for 525 yards in a game and made everybody look good. Like I believe they're the first team to ever have a 4,000-yard passer, two 1,000-yard receivers, and a 1,000-yard running back all under the age of 25. Like That team is built for the future, and Zach Taylor is going to have a field day with it. So Nagy definitely, again, to kind of tie it all back, needs to expand his coaching tree, needs to kind of learn other route concepts because obviously he didn't take away from Andy Reid what works best, and he needs to kind of figure out, 
he needs to figure out the whys and he needs to figure out what exactly works best from Andy Reid and what will work best for other teams and kind of create his own path and not really ride the coattails of another head coach. Well, it's certainly interesting that you bring up, uh, you know, roster decisions and, uh, you know, things about learning. One thing that we obviously haven't learned from Matt Nagy is uh, decisions on who should be playing in games. So we're going to kind of move to our next topic here. Uh, the Bears announced basically that Jermaine Ifedi was going to get the start over rookie Larry Borum. Borum had been uh, in place of Ifedi uh, when Ifedi went on injured reserve. Then, of course, Larry Borum went on the COVID list, uh, setting up Ifedi to return as the starter, even though Borum had returned and would have been ready to play for the Seahawks uh, game, even though Borum ended up playing at left tackle when Tevin Jenkins went out with a shoulder injury. Uh, and then after a solid rookie performance in his first NFL debut, Thomas Graham Jr. Uh, was splitting reps with cornerback uh, Artie Burns. Uh, let's talk about this really quickly. What I want to say about this is the decisions to start Ifedi and Burns over some of these younger guys like Borum and Thomas Graham Jr. If we look at the Bears 2021 season and we talk about kind of the outlook of the year, you know, what if situations, if the Bears win a couple of games that they hypothetically could have won, we talk about potentially, you know, the Steelers game, the San Francisco game. Maybe they somehow find a way to beat the Vikings. Regardless, if the Bears have a couple more wins on their schedule and they're still in theory in the hunt for a playoff spot, I could justify these decisions a little bit because it's clear Nagy's back is against the wall. He had to do, you know, he had to make decisions to try in order to keep his job. He put in fields early, for example, as a starter when, you know, Dalton got hurt. And, you know, this could be decisions that I think a coach would make if they're like, we need to make the playoffs this year. And these veterans are our best options. But that's not what the Bears are. They are they were at the time a four win football team who was mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, who had a rookie tackle and a rookie corner who both had shown the potential to be very, very good pieces. And your decision to play them is unacceptable. I mean, it's ignorant, it's moronic, and it just makes no sense. What are you playing for at this point? What does three more wins on your resume matter when you are no longer probably going to be the head coach of the Chicago Bears in 2022? Obviously, why should Nagy care? These aren't going to be the players that he coaches next year. Why does that matter? But if you're a head coach and you want to leave on good terms, developing the talent that your general manager drafted for you is very, very important. Ryan Pace brought in three very nice sixth round picks in Thomas Graham Jr., Daz Newsome, and Khalil Herbert. The Bears have found a way to utilize Khalil Herbert. When Borum has had to play, Larry Borum has been awesome, even though I know he wasn't a sixth round pick, but I'm just saying you have nice day three talent on this team in the 2021 draft class. And the fact that you decided to not play them initially, it just shows your incompetence. Joe, I'm going to balance this to you now. Uh, you had a great tweet about this, and I want you to kind of touch on that a little bit. What are your thoughts on this decision? Yeah, I was literally, if you didn't bring it up, I was going to. I I tweeted it out, and it immediately got like 15 retweets in like a minute. I was like, oh, no, my phone's about to vibrate the entire game now. But uh, to kind of sum up the tweet, uh, it was basically how Nagy was sitting these two guys, Thomas Graham and Larry Borm, in favor of veterans on one-year deals. And it basically was me saying this is why I shouldn't fired weeks ago. And it's unacceptable. And people really dug into the wrong things. Like people saw that. And then Thomas Graham gave up the touchdown to DK Metcalf. And like, well, that's why it wasn't starting. And it's like, no, it's not the point. And then some people were saying, well, these veterans are better. Also not the point. The point is these two guys are both under contract for next season. Thomas Graham is only on a two-year deal because he got moved to the practice squad after he got cut. So he will be restricted free agent 
next year, I believe. And I think they need to re-up that. But regardless, he's basically under contract. Larry Bourne was under contract for a few years because he was a draft pick and never got waived. So these two guys are going to be here, and they're the future. Artie Burns, again, I'm a huge fan of Artie Burns. I think he's very underrated. I think he had a very solid game as well. He's not going to be here likely, and if he is, it'll be in a backup role, and he's already peaked. Like Maybe he could have a resurrection like Razul Douglas in Green Bay has this year, but very unlikely. It's more likely that our young guy moves forward. And Jermaine Effetti, who, again, another guy I'm a huge fan of, and a lot of people aren't. But when Larry Bormas played at the caliber he has, arguably better than Effetti has, there is no reason whatsoever that Borum should not be playing. Now, obviously, things changed very quickly. Tevin Jenkins played a total of three snaps and got injured. And Larry Borman ended up playing 96% of the snaps, I believe, at left tackle. And honestly, in my opinion, that was probably the best case scenario because I think Borman is better suited for left tackle. And I thought he had his best game of the season at left tackle. I thought he was a stud. And he looked really good in both run blocking and pass blocking on a left tackle. And I think that should notify a future head coach that he should be there and Jenkins should be a right tackle. On the other hand, yes, Graham didn't start, but he did play the technical second least amount of snaps at corner of anybody on the roster. I know Duke Shelley had the most at nickel corner. He had 71% of the snaps. Uh, Kendall Vildor had 68% of the snaps. Graham also had 68 and then Burns had 64. So Vildor, yeah, maybe he could have a similar year to 2020, but nobody on this roster has had a game this year or last year outside of Jalen Johnson, like Thomas Graham had last week. And outside of the long touchdown that Thomas Graham let up, which happens when you're facing the most physical, arguably the second most physical freak in the NFL next to Derrick Henry, that's going to happen. You're going to get beat deep by somebody that big. You're not expecting him to move that fast. I'm sure he wasn't. And Outside of that, I believe he got targeted four more times and didn't give up another catch. So he still had a great game, making tackles, stepping up, making plays. He had a solid game despite that. And there is no excuse from now on. Again, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about it every week. They both need to be playing. And I'm curious to see what Jenga's injury is. I haven't really read into it much yet. I don't know what's come out today, if anything has. But Borum needs to be starting, and I'd prefer him to be a left tackle too. Well, I'm glad you you brought up the points about Borum and, and Graham being here next year on contract. And, and this podcast has been advocates to play the younger guys for kind of over a month now because we knew the writing on the wall was that, you know, I'm bringing up that concept again, that this Bears team wasn't going to be a playoff team. You need to play the young guys. You got, I think, like 32 guys on roster next year. You need to figure out who's going to be here in the long haul, especially with changes going to be potentially made with the coaching staff and then the front office. And who's going to be here when Justin Fields takes his second year? Speaking of Justin Fields, let's talk about the decisions that were made in the offseason, where in essence, the Bears didn't really make it a quarterback competition. They decided to roll with Andy Dalton. And if Andy Dalton hadn't gotten hurt, I think it's safe to say that Dalton would have played the majority of the year. Now, obviously, I think there's some say into why Dalton had ended up winning the starting job. But everything we saw in the preseason showed that Justin Fields had all the physical attributes to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. You look at 2020, the Bears had some injuries on the offensive line and the decisions that were being made were, well, we should just plug in Rashad Coward in the interior instead of seeing what you had in a guy like an Alex Bars or Sam Mustafer at the time. This is not the first time that Matt Nagy has elected to pick 
a free agent veteran who's on a minimum deal over a younger talent with a higher ceiling. And it's probably not going to be the last time he does this because he's going to be somewhere again where he can potentially have some sane roster decisions. Nagy always tends to favor these older and, you know, veterans in some situations over rookies. Again, I'm not saying every single young rookie NFL player should play. I'm not advocating for that. My philosophy is always you play the best player available unless your season is out of reach in terms of any playoff aspirations. Then you start looking at your young team. You start shutting down your veterans that you know, you know, playing in three more games isn't going to matter. And you play guys like a Larry Borum, like a Thomas Graham Jr. You know, if Justin Fields was healthy, healthy, he would be starting over Nick Foles. And we argued for why Justin Fields should potentially have started in the beginning of the year over an Andy Dalton. So it's certainly frustrating. And, you know, it's something that I think is going to be ultimately the reason why Matt Nagy is not here in 2022, which is why we're going to move on to our next point. We've talked a lot of head coaching candidates for the Chicago Bears in 2022. Teams have been able to start uh, requesting interviews for coaching candidates. We've seen the Jacksonville Jaguars reach out to several coaching candidates, including offensive coordinator of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Byron Lefwich, uh, former Eagles head coach, Doug Peterson. So what we're going to be talking about a little bit very briefly is some underrated head coaching candidates that the uh, people of the Chicago Bears need to keep their eyes on. Who are some under-the-radar coaching candidates that could be actually really, really nice fits for the Bears. Joe, I'm going to bounce this to you really quickly. Let's hear a underrated head coaching candidate. So I don't know that this is underrated. Uh, would you call Greg Roman underrated? I had Greg Roman on my list too, actually. Okay. I, I really don't. I, I've talked about him a lot. I'll touch on him quickly before I get into it. I'll, I'll touch on him quickly. You can talk about yours if that, unless that's yours. It's one of my two. I have two. But okay, okay. I actually so think, I, I think Robin's underrated or under, yeah, underrated. Okay, then I'll, I'll take him then. Sorry, I'll steal him from you. But all oh, you go ahead. I think that Greg Roman has done a lot with very athletic quarterbacks that are not good and made them look amazing. And I can give you two very good examples Colin Kaepernick and Tyler Huntley as of recently. And I could even say, to ruffle some feathers, Lamar Jackson isn't as good as we think he is because Greg Rowan makes him look better. And it's not to say Justin Fields is the running quarterback that Colin Kaepernick is or Lamar Jackson or even Tyler Huntley, who runs the ball quite a bit. But he is a freak athlete like that. And use it in, and Greg Roman is very good at using his quarterback's ability to move, whether that's constant RPOs and moving outside the pocket with it or constant motion to confuse defenses and with RPOs around that he is going to use a ton of motion and he's going to get people open for him. And because of Greg Roman's offense, Lamar Jackson takes a ton of deep shots, unbelievable amount. And he seems like this elite deep ball passer because he completes so many. He just throws a ton deep. He either throws it, he either throws a check down, or he throws it deep. And the fact that he takes that Greg Roman's offense takes so many shots, uses an athletic quarterback, to his best abilities, that's literally what Justin Fields needs. And the best problem too about Greg Roman is that he is very good at finding what a player is good at and using them to their best ability. Mark Andrews, a fifth-round pick at tight end. Absolute stud. Unbelievable in that offense. Marquise Brown is basically just a speedster wide receiver, nothing more, nothing less. And he has a good year when he plays. He's just never healthy, and he's always hurt or getting COVID or out. So 
when he's ever in, he has an amazing game. Rashad Bateman has looked pretty solid for a rookie coming off an injury. He doesn't have a ton of weapons either. They lost all their running backs to start this season. Like their top three backs. That's not an easy thing for a team right there alone. They literally are deploying a team of washed veteran running backs and picking and choosing as the season goes on where they had Le'Veon Bell, Devonta Freeman, and an undrafted free agent. Now they basically just run it on Devonta Freeman, who has literally bounced around the NFL for the past two or three years. So he makes a lot work with a little. And we saw that firsthand when he beat us. He literally beat us with Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley had an unbelievable game a few weeks ago. And I know it's like not going to seem like much, but when the offense was scripted and he had that first drive with Josh Johnson, who he has never worked with the whole week because he got added the week up because everybody was out with COVID and injuries, including their practice on quarterback, Chris Shelver, my guy. They had to pull up Josh Johnson, and he scored a touchdown on his first drive with Josh Johnson. Obviously, they didn't do as well after that. They didn't do too well, but when he only had a little, little time to repair, he found a way to score against a playoff team with Josh freaking Johnson. Extremely impressive, and I think he's, I think he's an, not a young guy. He's a, a middle-aged guy that can build a staff because he's been around the league. He's familiar with a lot of people in the NFL that are really good minds, young and old, and I think that he will do a very good job of building out a staff. Now, the only question really that surrounds for me is his ability to be a head coach because no idea what that's like, and I won't act like I have any idea. I don't know what he's like in a locker room. I can't see what he's like building a culture. All I know is that he makes everybody look good in that offense, no matter who's playing quarterback, no matter who's running the ball, no matter who's catching the ball. No, I actually – I is one of the reasons why I threw Roman on here. I, I tweeted about it on Sunday. I said, I have officially said that Greg Roman would be a good head coach for the Bears, no questions at this time, because I think a lot of people have been out on Greg Roman, but – you know, again, he's had a lot of experience with different teams. He's gotten the most out of athletic quarterbacks. I, I would love to think of what he could potentially do with Justin Fields at quarterback. Um, but I'll go with my other one here. I'm kind of starting to buy in on Colts offense coordinator Marcus Brady. So Brady has had spent some time in the CFL, both as a player and as a coach. He uh, came on as an assistant Colts quarterback coach in 2018, taking over all quarterback uh, responsibilities between 2019 and 2020. Uh, the Colts since then have had top 10 offenses in the league the past couple of years. He's the official coordinator this year, and the team has emerged uh, as a top three in scoring in the off uh, in the NFL. Now, obviously, I understand they have Jonathan Taylor. They have one of the best offensive lines in the league. But I truly agree if you, you bring in a guy like Brady, he can get the most out of a run game like Chicago potentially has. Again, you have great running backs in David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert. You have some solid pieces in terms of run scheme with, you know, James Daniels, a uh, pending free agent, who I think the Bears should bring back. A couple of really nice rookie tackles. I think if you upgrade at center and you bring in a nice rookie offensive interior lineman as some depth piece, uh, I think that this Bears run game could be really, really lethal. And I, you know, again, Brady is a guy who hasn't had a lot of experience in the NFL overall as a coach. And again, I'm hesitant to bring in a guy who's only been with one team. Again, uh, I, I believe truly that you should have a coach that has some experiences with different teams and different positions. But if we're talking about underrated head coach candidates, Brady's starting to get some attention around the league. It's definitely a guy that I think the Bears should keep an eye on. Um, and again, I mean, I think the potential that what he could do with David Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, Tariq Cohen, if he's back in 2022, you know, that excites me because again, the Colts are a team where they run the ball well. They have a couple of decent wide receiver pieces. They get the most out of Carson Wentz 
Um, and they are looking like a scary team in the AFC playoff picture right now. I would not want to play the Colts come playoff time uh, in the next couple of weeks, but that is kind of one of my underrated head coach candidates. Cause obviously I know you touched on Greg Roman. Uh, do you have any others, Joe, you want to bring up real quick? Um, I wanted to actually touch on one. I wouldn't say he's like a guy I really want. Like he's probably not even in my top five, but it's definitely got to keep my eye. And it's like Kevin O'Connell from uh, Los Angeles Rams. I mean, Again, getting anything from that genius over there in Los Angeles, I, Sean McVay is arguably my favorite head coach in the NFL right now just due to his – I love his attitude on the sidelines. I love the way he is and the fact that he is so young and he makes everything work and makes everybody look good no matter who's touching the ball too. Like, And I love the way he builds his staff. Like Every year he seems like, all right, now they got a new stud here. They got a new stud defensive coordinator, a new stud offensive coordinator. We just saw Brandon Staley get a job too. Like after That was another one I forgot about earlier, but – I absolutely love the way Sean McVay does things. And the fact we could get a former quarterback, obviously he wasn't very good in the NFL, but a former quarterback who's only, what, 37 years old? Again, this could be a very similar thing to bringing in Nagy, but, I mean, it, if we really want to go the young route and go with a younger guy to kind of that could be kind of more modern and more, more new to the NFL, this would kind of be the way to go if he can do something like Sean McVay does. Like again, I don't want to talk on it too much, but he's been there now for two seasons. He was all there all 2020 and all 2021, and Rams offense has been very good for the most part. So he's had to learn something, had to, had to have learned a thing or two from Sean McVay. Absolutely. And again, these are just some underrated head coaching candidates to keep an eye on, uh, out, you know, as the season ends and ultimately the decisions made on Nagy will continue to monitor the coaching situation. But we're going to move on from all of that. Joe, it is the time of the night, uh, the time of the week. Let's hear your hot take for this week. I'm going to be judging you on the Buffalo Wild Wings uh, sauce hot scale. So it goes Ooh. from smiling to screaming. And I'm going to tell you nice. more based on that. Not sponsored, by the way. Um, at least not yet, but soon, um, soon, hopefully, hopefully, maybe. hopefully, someday. Hopefully. But uh, let's hear your hot take for this week. So I think this week is going to be a very—I um, don't know if I call it fun at this point because the Bears aren't fun. But um, again, it's kind of hard to, to do these things because I don't know who's playing. Um, I have no idea what the status of Justin Fields is. I have no idea if he's healthy yet, or I know he was in a boot last week for a bit. Um, no idea. But um, I think that this week, for one, I think Robert Quinn breaks the sack record um, and beats out Richard Dent. That's the first thing that's going to happen. There's going to be a few things that I think is going to happen. Um, the second thing, um, I think Darnell Mooney will have a monster game. Marcos, who's a quarterback, he's going to get over 80 yards receiving against the Giants here. And I think that um, was, I think it was Cole Komet too was nearing a pretty big milestone. Let me check his exact stats before I give you a number. Um, but I think no matter who's that quarterback either, I honestly, like we were talking about earlier, I'd rather see Foles than Dalton at this point right now, the way it looked. But um, I think that I think that Cole Komet will eclipse 600 receiving yards as a second-year player at the age of 22. He's at 539 now. So I mean, he needs to get, what is that? I'm bad at math. 61 yards receiving. Yep. Yes. 61 yards. And he's nearing 60 receptions. It's definitely possible. I don't think he'll get the seven receptions in a game, but I think he'd easily get the 61 receiving yards and eclipse 600 total receiving yards on a year. Then everybody thinks he's a bad tight end. So I think we'd see three kind of major things happen, and that's a very solid Mooney game that inches him closer to 1,000 yards. 
Quinn breaking the sack record and Komet reaching 600 receiving yards and getting his first touchdown of the year too. I'll put that in there too. Yeah. I think the, uh, the Robert Quinn take is, uh, on a sweet barbecue scale. I, oh, I, hey, hey, they're I all combined. They're part, they're parlayed. I, I, I understand they're parlayed. I'm, I'm going to break them down each individually and then give you an overall all right, there's all right, a process all right. here. It. So I'll take it. So the Robert Quinn one is, is sweet barbecue. I think that is absolutely going to happen. They're going to be playing a very bad Giants offensive line. Mike Glennon is queued up to be the starter that week. I think if Quinn doesn't break the record this weekend, I'll be surprised. Uh, I think the Mooney take uh, is definitely mild. I, I think there's definitely uh, the potential there. I think, again, the quarterback inconsistently see hurts him a little bit, um, but I don't think there's a reason why he couldn't potentially do it. You know, with Allen Robinson coming back, hopefully soon, that could change things, but it might not. Uh, and I think the Cole Komet thing, I think that's a little bit of a, more like a medium. I, 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 you know, tweeted about it. I've been critical of Cole Komet. I thought he had a very nice game on Sunday. Lots of improvement. I've been seeing, you know, it, he played a lot better than I've seen him play. And I, I like that it looks like he's beginning to learn and progress. Um, I think he's the Bears' second leader in receiving guards this year, um, which is kind of crazy to think about. If I had to combine all three of yours into a parlay and give it a heat rating, I would say it is around a spicy garlic. I think it's going to be uh, very interesting if all three of those things happen uh, on Sunday. But pretty hot, I would say. How where's that on the scale? I, I'm not familiar with the scale myself. Like uh, that, how close to the very bottom of like spice and hot? I don't know what the hottest thing is, but your according to this scale, if you spicy garlic is just around the middle. Um, in this, it goes from like green being like not spicy to red. Yeah, to red. Yeah, You're right around sizzling in the middle. So pretty. What? Pretty. It's got a kick. You're you're gonna feel it. You're gonna definitely feel it. But I feel like you played it a little safe with uh, the Robert Quinn one. Yeah, but they're parlayed. That's like obviously you gotta have one safe one in the parlay to hit, so you can at least be somewhat correct. Well, in any case, let's see if your hot take parlay hits this weekend. Uh, we're going to move on really quickly to Sam stocks, and then we're going to wrap up the show with our predictions for next Sunday. Uh, so my stocks up and down again, it's very difficult to do this and not repeat names. So I did my best this week. My stock up this week was David Montgomery. I thought he had a fantastic game on Sunday. The guy runs so hard when he doesn't get tackled behind the line of scrimmage and he has a step. I mean, he's getting four to seven yards, even after contact, he runs so, so hard. He works hard for every single yard. His vision is absolutely spectacular. Uh, I thought he absolutely dominated in a game where the Bears needed to run the ball. Um, just so much fun to watch Dave Montgomery play. Uh, Cole Komet, I'll throw in here as an audible mention as well, because I do think he progressed really nicely. My down overall was kind of the offensive line. So I actually did think Larry Borum played to the best of his abilities. Obviously, I don't think he was expecting to play left tackle that game, and I think he struggled at times, but I still thought he played really well. I can't really judge Tevin Jenkins on this. Um, I thought everyone else, though, in the interior didn't look great. Uh, James Daniels was getting beat. Uh, I thought Cody Whitehair was okay. Sam Mustafer, I have my thoughts on him. I don't think he's a good center, and I think Sunday proved that once again. Jermaine Ifedi, who's been a little bit of a center of attention. I thought he struggled in the game as well. Um, I didn't think the offensive line was great. Again, it's very tough when you have a quarterback like Nick Foles, who's very stagnant. He's not going to move around very much. Um, but 
Overall, I don't think if I had to give a grade to the offensive line, I think it'd be like a C minus or a D. I did think Borum played pretty well, and I thought what Cody Whitehair held his own. But overall, offensive line trending down a little bit for me. Hopefully, we will bounce back against the Giants. Yeah, I would agree. Like like I was saying about Borum earlier, I think he showed a lot at left tackle for somebody who just got tossed in and hadn't played left tackle in a very long time. And he obviously got the nod to somebody who probably practiced left tackle a bit, and that's Elijah Wilkinson. So thought he looked very solid. But yeah, the rest of the line, I completely agree with Mustafer needs to get out of here. But uh, loved your stock up. Um, I like the honorable mention of Cole Komet. He made some pretty great catches in traffic. He had one, too, that was, wasn't was a touchdown because he was the ball was thrown too far. But it was an unbelievable catch. We would have had his feet in bounds. And Dave Montgomery, it hurts so bad because I love – love Dave Montgomery, but I hate running backs. And that's the worst part. Like I love running backs from the past, but these days, like giving a running back a second contract with good money is the dumbest thing a team could do. And it hurts me because if Dave Montgomery wasn't a running back, because he was a wide receiver playing the way he does, it's like as much hard as he gives out of his Jersey immediately. Like he'd be the guy I'd be proud to rep, but I know like, okay, I don't know, but I don't support second contract running backs if they're a top 10 contract in the NFL, unless they're like number 10, number nine. So it, it sucks. Like I hate it. Cause I just absolutely love the way he plays. And I agree. His stock is up. Like it, it's unbelievable how much heart he gives for a team that's losing this bad. And you see a guy like Allen Robinson, who is the exact polar opposite and already has been paid. So it's just, it's, I love, I absolutely love rooting for that dude. And I, I really hope we do give him a second contract and I hope it's reasonable and, they both come to good terms. Absolutely. And I think there will be a lot of offseason decisions that the Bears are going to have to make, uh, whether it's just Dave Montgomery in the future or other players uh, this offseason. But we're going to wrap up the show here. Make sure you guys go follow us on all the social media platforms, like I mentioned earlier, at Fireside Bears, TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and I think I named all of them. Uh, make sure you go follow our guy, Max Smith. Uh, he does a lot of great stuff on YouTube as well. Joe, let's hear a score prediction for Bears-Giants and then a bold prediction. I know you just did your hot takes, but what do you think is going to happen in the game that you don't think people are going to expect? So first for the score prediction, as the same thing as my hot takes, it's very hard because we don't know who's playing. We have no idea who's injured. Um, Jenkins could be healthy and could be playing. Fields could be out or could be playing. But um, I think we see a decent offensive output and – a solid, a solid defensive. I, I think it's an overall, like I wouldn't say dominant win, but a handled win. I'd say is probably like a again depends on the quarterback, um, but I'd say like a twenty-four to like seventeen win, um, maybe 24, 24, 18. Regardless, I, I I think it'll be like a one-score game essentially, and I don't think that their offense will be able to do much. I think their offense is going to be run through Saquon and our job against the run hasn't been amazing. Rashad Penny just ran over us a little bit. Um, so Saquon should kind of scare us. So that'll be tough. Um, I, 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 bold prediction is tough because I kind of did a hot take already. Um, I'll bounce to you first because I actually forgot that we were doing the bold prediction. So I'll bounce to you first, then I'll, I'll come up with the bold prediction last minute. Absolutely, no problem. Uh, I have Bears 24, Giants 13. Um, I ultimately think the Bears are just going to be the better team on Sunday. I don't think either of these teams are going to be very good. I don't. I think this is going to be kind of a snooze fest of a game. But I just think our team is better, and I ultimately think, you know, whether it's Foles or Fields, I think the Bears can put up points as long as they establish the run. 
they'll make a lot of mistakes. And, you know, if they can get guys like Akeem Hicks back, I think they'll be super helpful. Uh, my bold prediction is I think the Bears are going to score a defensive touchdown on Sunday. I don't think we've scored one in a long time. I think we're queued up for it to eventually happen, especially with Mike Glennon set to start. Um, so I think whether it's a interception or a fumble recovery, I think we're going to see a Bears defensive touchdown this weekend. Any, any idea of who it could be? Oh, man. You know what would be so cool is if it was a Robert Quinn strip sack into a touchdown and he broke the record while he scored. That would be, be I don't know if that's possible, but if it if it is, you know, you never know. You never know. Could happen. I would like to see Eddie Jackson. Touchdown. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No, those are always electric. And they're so be, much fun to watch. It would be cool if it was like a Roquan, too, just to kind of like spike the fact that he should have been in the Pro Bowl. And it would be very cool, I think, to see Eddie Jackson as well, just because like, I actually thought he had a really nice game on Sunday. I think he made yeah. some really good open field tackles. It would just be cool to see like kind of a glimpse of 2018 Eddie Jackson, like get that interception, score, playmaker. Teams don't throw to him anymore. Like it's a celebration. Yes, it would just be. It would be very cool to see the Bears defense celebrate a defensive touchdown. I would. Love yeah. That. Yeah, I don't remember the last. What was the last time we was was that Bengals game? Did we do one then? I don't know if they did. Regardless, so my my hot take. I actually started thinking of defensive touchdowns, so I'll change it up. Um, I think Cole Komet is going to get a touchdown. I talked about that earlier, and I think Darnell Mooney will too. I, I wouldn't be super bold, but to kind of call two touchdown scores, it's kind of tough to do. That's why it's a uh, pretty high odds when it comes to betting when you parlay it. But um, I do think we get Cole Komet's first touchdown of the year. Um, I think the Giants are better against wide receivers than they are against tight ends. So I think it's an open up opportunities for commit. And I think they're going to want to get commit a touchdown at least. So I think he gets his first one. I think Mooney gets one as well. I think he um, maybe not a deep shot, but maybe an explosive type of play that he gets a, a decent touchdown. I like that. I think it's very, uh, very bold prediction, but that is going to be the uh, end of the show for us. Again, make sure you go follow the podcast uh, on all the social medias. Go check us out on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to a podcast. Go follow my co-host, Joseph Herf, at Joseph Herf NFL. You can follow me on Twitter, at Shy Sports Sam. Go check out Yuset's work on uh, EmpireSports.com, EmpireSportsMedia.com. Uh, he's been still going to be cranking out written content the next couple weeks. We'll be back next week to kind of break down the game, uh, Bears-Giants, and to kind of give an outlook of the last game for the year of 2021 for the Chicago Bears, which will be against the Minnesota Vikings a rematch that hopefully will uh, end up with another Bears win. Um, you said usually does a very long-winded outro, but I am not going to do that. Be safe. Uh, thank you so much for listening and bear down. And go just for Horstead. <laughs>